Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 25. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. God's Word is good. If you've been with us, get your pen, get your pad. If you've been with us on Wednesday evening, you know, let's back up to chapter 18, you know the prophet Samuel has anointed David king of Israel. But the crown is still on the head of David's enemy and adversary, Saul. David's face is on all the post office walls around the country. (laughs) I'm trying to paint a picture here, people. Uh, His face is on all the post office walls around the country, most wanted list. David is running from pillar to post, from Nob to Gath, to the cave of Adullam, to the forest of Hereth, to Keilah, from Keilah to Ziph, and then to the caves of En Gedi. David and his 600 men are in one of the caves. Were you with me last week? Just last Wednesday, show of hands. Were you with me last Wednesday? Oh, good. That's most of you. You know that David and his 600 men are in one of the caves, one of the hundreds of caves uh, in the area of En Gedi. And Saul is marching with his army. And all of a sudden, God reaches down from heaven with his finger and pushes on the bladder of Saul. Say amen. We talked about the living word telling us about living things. People who are alive, this is what living people do. Hallelujah. Living people go potty. Amen. God takes his finger, reaches down, pushes on the bladder of Saul, and Saul has to go use the restroom. He has to go potty. So he chooses the very cave, God thinks, saints, he chooses the very cave that David and his men are hiding in. And David's men say, David, This is the Lord. This is the day you've been waiting for. David, this is the day you told us that God would deliver your enemy into your hand. David, just go over there and stick them. And you can have your life back. We talked about it, didn't we? This is a real temptation for David. With one stroke of the sword, David can have his life back. With one stroke of the sword, David can be on the throne. David's men are encouraging David, and David is giving it some thought. David starts inching up the Saul with sword in hand. You got this picture? David's inching up the Saul with sword in hand. Stuff is running through his mind. And just as he got there, he couldn't do it. He, the Bible tells us that he couldn't touch the Lord's anointed. David cut the corner of Saul's robe. Now, chapter 24, I want you to look at chapter 24 and peruse with me through verses 8 through 16. Saul finished doing his business. And David comes out of the cave and called to Saul, my lord, the king. Look at chapter 24, right about verse um, uh, 8. 
Look at verse 8. David comes out and says, My lord, the king. And Saul looked behind him, and David bowed his head to the earth and said, verse 9, Why do you listen to the words of men saying, I'm trying to kill you? David said, I wouldn't stretch my hand, in verse 10, out to harm the Lord's anointed. David said, if I wanted to, I could. Verse 11, I've got a piece of your robe right here in my hand. And I've got a piece of your robe in my hand. I don't have your head in my hand. I could have. The fact that I don't have your head in my hand is proof that I'm not trying to kill you. When David finished speaking, Saul started crying. He said, the kingdom of Israel shall, be, Israel shall be established in your hand. And in verse 21, Saul asked David to make a point or a promise to him that he made with Jonathan to swear that he would not cut off his descendants after him and destroy his name. These saints, listen, are the final words of Saul to David. The final words of Saul to David. Note verse 22. Saul went home, chapter 24. You looking at verse 22? Saul went home and David went to where? The stronghold or back to the caves. Now remember, there's no chapter break, okay? So look at chapter 25 and verse 1. Then Samuel died and the Israelites gathered together and lamented, underline that for him, and buried him at his home in Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Stop right there, saints. Give me your attention. Saul went home and David went to the stronghold. And then Samuel died and all of Israel gathered at the funeral in Ramah. Now, when the Bible tells us that all the people lamented Samuel, the word lamented, if you're taking those, maybe write it in your margins. The word lamented means convulsing. It means weeping out loud, weeping to the point of convulsing. Um, you rarely see somebody crying like that, probably at a funeral, probably at the death of a loved one, where you are weeping so hard that your insides are shaking, that you are convulsing, you're weeping, you're broken, you're weeping out loud. And the reason that the people are weeping out loud is because Samuel, where you've been, you've been with me since chapter one? Samuel is a great man of God. And now he's dead. Chapter one, Samuel was born and dedicated to serve the Lord all of his life. Samuel was the last of the judges and the first of the prophets. And Samuel was the bridge between the judges and the kings. Samuel represents all the prophets, represents the office of all of the prophets. So when Samuel died, David went deep into the wilderness. And something struck me today as I was reading this. Notice the Bible tells us Samuel died and David, look at verse 20, chapter 25 and verse 1. Samuel died, David arose and went. Samuel died, David arose and went. You know, when a man dies, look at me, give me your attention. When a man dies, and he will someday, why? Because of the Adamic nature. We all have a sinful nature. We are all going to die someday. When a man dies, God's work doesn't die with him. The work of God will continue because God never depends on one man. Did you hear me? God never depends on one man. People seem to think the ministry hinges on them. Do you understand the work of God will go right on with you or without you? Because God doesn't depend on man. Samuel died. David arose and went to get away from Saul to the wilderness of Paran 
in the desert of the Sinai Peninsula. I've titled this sermon, Abigail, part one. Look at verse two. If you're looking at verse two, say amen. Now there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel. And the man was what, saints? Very rich. Donald Trump rich. Oprah rich. Huh? He had 3,000 sheep and and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. The man, the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife was who, saints? And she was a good woman of good understanding and beautiful in appearance. But the man, who was harsh and evil in his doings, he was of the house of Caleb. When David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David sent 10 men, 10 young men, and said to the young men, go up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity, peace be to you, peace to your house, peace to all that you have. Now I've heard that you have shearers. Your shepherds were with us and we did not hurt them, nor was there anything missing from them all the while they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, they'll tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. Please give whatever comes to your hand to your servants and to your son, David. So when David's young men came, look at this, saints. When they came, they spoke to Nabal according to all the words in the name of David and waited Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. David and his men are in the wilderness of Paran. And there's a man, the Bible tells us, who had a business in Carmel. His name is Nabal. Now, this is, if you've been to Israel with us, this is not the Carmel in the north. This is the Carmel in the south by the border in the wilderness of Paran, in the Sinai Peninsula. This is a different Carmel. Nabal, the Bible tells us, is very rich. The Bible tells us he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. Now listen, in those days, if a man had 24 sheep and 12 goats, he was considered rich. So this man has 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. As I said, he is Donald Trump rich. And by the way, that's a lot of lamb chops. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Nabal. First of all, his name speaks, are y'all listening? His name speaks volumes of who he is. Got your pen? Nabal means fool. Fool, yeah, F-O-O-L, fool. Y'all like fool? Yeah, fool. (laughs) Somebody said that. Somebody, didn't you hear it? They said said, fool? Yeah, fool. I'm not calling you a fool. I'm saying his name means fool. I don't know. <laughs> Amen. The fool has said in his heart, what? There is no God. Nabal means fool. Now you got to wonder, at least I wonder, when I'm teaching, I'm studying, I'm wondering, I'm always thinking kind of behind the scenes, but I call it the white space, reading the white space. Like, you know, what his mom and dad were thinking when they named him? I'm thinking, you know, they, they're like laying there, like after having the baby, you know, they bring the baby in, they give the baby to the mommy, and mommy's laying there with the baby, and the husband's standing over the bed like this, and they might even do a selfie, you know, like that, right? Because you got to throw that in nowadays, because I'm a contemporary preacher. 
Saitona Kasafi. And um, what should we call him, honey? What shall we name him? I know. Let's name him Fool. <laughs> so that's, that's probably, because in, in Jewish culture, and I've told you this before, um, your name was often significant or, you know, applicable to some event that's going on or something that's happening um, at the moment in your life. I don't know. Maybe the parents had just done something foolish. I, I, I don't I don't. Maybe the doctor who delivered the baby was a fool. I, I, I don't know why they named him fool, but they named him Nabal. Nabal means fool. Now, as you read through chapter 25, we learn that Nabal was selfish and greedy and angry and harsh and mean-spirited and downright evil. Look at verse 3. It tells us his wife's name was Abigail. Got your pen? Abigail means not fool. I'm just kidding. Abigail, Abigail, I'm just seeing if you listen. Abigail means father of joy. Father of joy. Again, maybe they're laying in the bed. What shall we name her, honey? Well, let's name her father of joy. Maybe the father had joy. Maybe, maybe they had other sons. We don't know the backstory. We know what we're told from the Bible. Maybe they, her father had all boys and they were hoping for a girl. And this is before the days they could tell you what the child was before the ch- when the child's like three weeks old nowadays, they can tell you what the sex is. Well, it's before those days. You got to wait till the child comes out to find out what the child is. Somebody say amen. I'm teaching. So maybe he had all boys. And maybe, you know, they realize, oh, it's a girl and, and, and father of joy. Or it could read father of exhortation. Either way, Abigail's name means father of joy, father of exhortation. The Bible tells us Abigail was beautiful and wise or of good understanding. Now listen, isn't it true? Opposites do attract. You read the story and you wonder, how does a guy like him get a girl like her? She's beautiful. She's smart. She got brains and beauty. She's beautiful. She's smart. She's wise. She's, she's good looking. She's a woman of good understanding. And then you have Nabal, who I just kind of picture Nabal like a Danny DeVito type. Every time I, I just do. I don't know why. I just do. But not fun. Like Danny DeVito would be fun. Nabal was harsh and bitter and evil spirited, mean spirited, you know, a stingy guy. And, and, you know, he gets this beautiful girl. You wonder, how does a man like him get a girl like her? You ever see two people together and you think, how did they hook up? <laughs> Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. And some of y'all lying, you're in church. You know, you know doggone well you have seen people and have said, how in the world are they together? Look at her and look at him. He must got some money. Lord, Lord, pray for me. Don't judge me. Pray for me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Pray for me. 
Amen. I'm just saying what you think. That's all. I'm saying what you think. Abigail is a wise woman, good understanding. Nabal's hard and dumb and a fool. Abigail has beauty and brains. And listen, they don't always go together. They don't. Have you ever seen a really beautiful woman? Then she opens her mouth and she had a potty mouth. There ain't nothing less attractive than a beautiful woman. And all of a sudden she opens her mouth and blank, 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 blank. Blank, 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 blank. <laughs> You'd be like, wow, that destroys your beauty. Somebody once said, beauty is skin deep, but ugly goes clean to the bone. Abigail, I honestly wasn't going to say that. Abigail was of beautiful countenance. Appearance, new King Jimmy says appearance. King Jimmy says countenance. I like the word countenance better. That has the sense that everyone stopped and gazed at her because she was so beautiful. The word countenance, listen, I want you to write this down. The word countenance speaks of the light of his presence. The light of his presence. Countenance carries the idea of God's presence in your soul. Now that's true beauty. When you meet a beautiful, godly Christian woman, that's true beauty. The first thing that strikes you is her countenance. Nothing more beautiful than the countenance of elderly Christian, beautiful women like Miss Betty. That's why she's beautiful. That's why there's nothing to me more beautiful than an elderly, godly woman. Nothing more beautiful. Their countenance, and the countenance is the presence of God. It's something that comes from without, the countenance of a Christian woman. There's something very beautiful and very a godly glow about a Christian woman. I've told you in the past that there's three times in the life of a woman where she is most beautiful. One, when she's pregnant. Two, when she's getting married. And three, when she's Christian and she's a godly woman. Countenance is real beauty. You understand the world is trying to manufacture and put in a bottle countenance? Huh? They're trying to put together, they're trying to put in a bottle countenance and it ain't working. All the makeup and the weave and the facelifts and the nip tuck, fake eyelashes, fake eyebrows, fake teeth, glass eye. (laughs) I'm just trying to throw everything fake in there. None of that can give you countenance. Don't get me wrong. I got no problem with makeup. You know, I, you know I've talked to you about this already. Huh? I have no problem with makeup. I think it's a great thing. Makeup is a, is a, 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 a wonderful thing. <laughs> Makeup's great. J. Vernon McGee said, I didn't say. J. Vernon McGee said, every old bar needs some paint. <laughs> I didn't say it. I'm just telling you what somebody else said. Get mad at him. He passed on. He's in glory with Jesus. Get mad at him. I don't have no problem with makeup. But, but you got to understand that makeup, somebody pray for me, makeup can't give you countenance. Countenance speaks of a beauty that can't be bought. It's an inward beauty that comes from the inside. That's Abigail. Abigail was a beautiful, godly, wise woman with good understanding, and she married a fool. Beauty and the beast. You might say, 
Well, how wise is she that she married a fool? Well, remember, in those days, marriages were arranged and from childhood. So maybe she was a beautiful little girl and he was a rich little boy. And the fathers got together and said, let's hook the beautiful girl up with the rich boy. And marriages were arranged in those days. So maybe she had nothing to do with it. The Bible tells us he was shearing his sheep in Carmel, Nabal, and I'm sure his servants. The time of the shearing of sheep for the herder was just like the time of harvest for the farmer. It was a time of labor. And then after the labor, it was party time. It was a time of thanksgiving and rejoicing and festivity and a time of plenty. Look at verse 4 of chapter 25. When David heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David sent 10 young men to Nabal in peace and told them to say to him, you know, that we were with your shepherds and, and, and we didn't harm them. We didn't do anything. We didn't steal from them. David said, tell him we helped and protected his sheep. Now, you got to understand something, saints. Listen to me. Watch me. In this culture, if anybody helped in caring for another person's flock, it was traditional, it was customary, and it was right and respectful that that other person reap the benefits from that flock. So David said, listen, we're out here and we had your back. Nothing was missing. We don't protect your sheep from thieves. We didn't harm them or steal anything. Remember, David had 600 guys. They could have stolen whatever they wanted. So now David needs food and supplies, and he has every cultural right to ask Nabal to do the right thing and hook him up with some stuff. Look at verse 8. David said, ask your shepherds, Nabal. They'll tell you. We helped you. And besides, it's a happy day, rejoicing day. Please give whatever the Lord puts on your heart. Verse 9, the young men did exactly what David told them to do. And notice in verse 10, Nabal's response. Look at verse 10. Then Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away each from one his master. So shall I, note this, this guy got eye disease. Notice, shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shearers and give it to the men when I do not know where they are from? And so David's young men turned on their heels and they went back and they came and told him, David, all these words. And then David said to his men, every man gird on his sword. So every man girded on his sword and David also girded on his sword and about 400 men with David and 200 stayed with the supplies. Now, verse 14, one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. But the men were very good to us, and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we accompanied them when we were in the fields. They were a wall to us, both night and day. In other words, they did us right. All the time we were with them, keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know and consider what you will do. For harm is determined against our master, Nabal, and against all his household, for he is such a scoundrel. King James says, son of Belial. 
Now you can take that where you want. Son of Belial or son of the devil. He's such a son of the devil that no one can speak to him. Saying, stop right there. Give me your attention. Notice Nabal's response. Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? Now listen, he knew who David was. Everybody knew who David was. The whole country knew who David was because it was a number one hit song written about David from some Pentecostal girls. Y'all ain't hear me. From some Pentecostal girls coming out. Saul has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. He knew who David was and proof that he knew who David was. Did you pick that up? He said, who is the son of Jesse? How do you know he's the son of Jesse? Well, verse 10, notice he said there are many servants that break away from their master. And that's a lot. He said there's a lot of runaway slaves these days. That's insulting. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.